Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, I'm going to blindside you for Tannen style. Uh-oh. So look out. You're going to be minding your own business, skating out of the zone, and then I'm going to cold cock you. Then I'm going to lay down on the ground. I'm going to hit you in the face with my stick, Duncan Keith style. Sounds like a great plan, dude. That's right. And then I'm going to give you a poke in the eyes, Three Stooges style. Wow. But I will put up the the, the wall in between my eyes, curly style. And then I'm going to bite your fingers, Steve Ott style. <laughs> Damn it. You always have a rejoinder. <laughs> Dude, Sharks, back in the playoffs. It's official. Not that we were ever doubting it, but it is official, dude. It's nice to clinch against the hated Kings and uh, to see the Sharks rebound after, you know, a definitely a low moment losing handily to the Edmonton Oilers uh, after we recorded our last podcast and then kind of a mixed bag effort against Dallas. Um, sharks are trending in the right direction the last two games, but they've got a lot of work to do going into the playoffs. That's right. They don't have very many games left, but it was nice to see them actually clinch against a potential first round opponent. Um, Jonathan Quick had some unbelievable saves, but Logan Couture gets stoned, but comes back with a hat trick the next, uh, next night against Vancouver and the Sharks beat the Kings by three, we'll, we'll take it, right? I mean, it's good, absolutely. Good news, I mean, right? Absolutely, and um, it was nice to see them kind of pour it on in the third period. Sharks played very well in that game. Martin Jones was very good, and you know they're doing it without Vlasic, which is you know uh, obviously an important part of their success, you know, arguably their best defensive defense. Actually, I don't think arguably he is their best defensive defenseman. And he's one of the best defensive defensemen in the entire NHL. Plus he's having, you know, an outstanding year on the offense side, offensive side of, of the puck as well. So, uh, losing Vlasic has been, has been tough, but I gotta say Dylan DeMello has filled in pretty nicely, especially in the last two games. I thought, yeah, he's been playing really well, and Justin Braun has been playing well, so it's nice to see some some guys fill in for Vlasic. Certainly when he went down, I was thinking to myself, uh-oh, you know, this is one of those few guys that if he goes down, you know, the the lineup of the Sharks really changes quite a bit, and I, I hope they're resting him enough such that he can come back in time for the playoffs nice and healthy. Don't, right. rush, don't rush him back. You know, looking over the last of the season, you know, a couple maybe playoff teams there, but not no monster opponents here in the last five games. I don't think there's any reason to rush him back into the lineup, especially since they've already clinched a playoff berth. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that um, 
the Sharks are making an attempt to get the second seed. The first seed seems a little unrealistic at this point. Uh, and the second seed, you know, might, you know, although, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm looking at the at the standings again. They're only three points out, but, you know, the Ducks have two games in hand on the Kings and, uh, and the Sharks. But it is a very tight race, as we record, 95 points for the Kings, 94 for the Ducks, 92 for the Sharks. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you want to see the Sharks get home ice. The thing that is a little scary right now is is looking at the possibility of as the Blackhawks continue to free fall. Um, or, you know, I mean, do you want to play Chicago or Nashville in that wild card spot? Or would you rather play the Ducks or the Kings? I mean, obviously teams don't operate like that. They want to win and they want to get the you know, best ending of their season possible. But I'm just going to kind of throw that out there, dude. I mean, is being the top seed, would you, would you rather play the Predators than the Ducks? Uh, yes, I would, I think. Um, you know, Anaheim, despite, you know, some, some not so gaudy stats, I think are still pretty dangerous. And if they have all their players healthy I think are a pretty dangerous team and I'd rather play Nashville um despite the uh the Shea Weber factor and all that kind of stuff I I think I'd rather play Nashville and, and the Sharks have had a nice history of beating Nashville pretty badly in the playoffs not that, yeah, that this necessarily is a, this is a different team though that yeah. team they really had that team's number you know, this is a different team um I think I'd rather have one of the LA teams, dude, you know, mainly because of the travel. I mean, the travel factor there, I think uh, you don't want to, that's, that's not an advantage, you know, to have to drag your butt all the way across to Nashville, but uh, the cards are going to fall where they are. You know, I think what's been evident is Vlasic being out and, you know, people covering for him pretty well. Uh, but then seeing the the jump of the team with Donskoy coming back, I mean, he really is so important to this team. I mean, this guy has just been a, a total find. Yeah, I, I he he's definitely the rookie of the year, right? For the Sharks, no question. He's the rookie of the year, and and it, it'd be really hard to see the Sharks um, playing without him effectively. Um, you know, there's been. Different guys sort of shifting in and out. We've seen, you know, Nick Spalling come back in with guys coming out, and and we'll talk about the whole Roman Polak thing in a minute. But um, but yeah, he's he's a pretty crucial part of the lineup right now. I think. As we segue into you know the cheap shot against Polak, I think Polak's presence, whether you like the 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 package that was given up for Polak and Spalling, with the injuries that have happened, you know, to Vlasic. When the injury happened to Vlasic earlier in the season, well, and and I believe that there was also an injury to Justin Braun at, at the same time. What ended up happening is you're you're having, um, well, even we'll just say it was just Vlasic. Then you're having to have Dylan Demello and Mirko Mueller, or Dylan Demello and Matt Tennyson in the lineup. And with Pollock being here now, now it's just Dylan Demello, and you certainly don't notice the shortcomings like you did earlier in the year when they were having to play two people who really weren't ready for the responsibility. I mean, DeMello certainly um, has evolved. He's not trying to say he's a Norris Trophy winner or something right now, but he's been way better in these two games than I think he's been earlier in the year. 
That's true, and and you're right. Despite the fact that it seems like everybody else in the NHL seems to hate Roman Polak for some reason and only want to keep running him and hitting him in the head when he's not looking, I'm not quite sure the the under the meaning of that. But uh, but yeah, I kind of like it. I gotta say, I don't like that he keeps getting abused, <laughs> but I like you know, <laughs> I, I like that you know there is. There does seem to be something about the way that he plays that really bothers people in that he seems to irritate people, not in a Torres-y kind of way, but like in a uh, – I'm trying to think of a good comparison, dude. Um, you know, he's, he just seems to get completely under your skin and because of how hard he plays, you know, yeah. and you see how people react to it. They don't like it, you know? Um, and they're taking cheap shots. The Vertanen hit was ridiculous, dude. I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, I did. I saw it. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what was that? There's not even close to being near the puck. And he blind. I mean, that could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah, you wonder like, how is there a beef there? Like the, I, you know, I don't understand. Like the Darnell Nurse thing is one thing, but. This is something else. I don't quite understand. <laughs> like, why would well, he have like a big? We don't know how long pool? this, right? We don't know how long this was going on. I mean, like all game. I mean, maybe he was just needling this guy all game, you know, with hits and you know little things that finally he just snapped. You know, I don't know. Uh, we'll never know. But it is interesting that Pollock seems to be on the receiving end of everybody's anger. But I don't know. I mean, the Sharks don't seem to be as soft to play against as they've been in the past. And I kind of like what he brings to the table, dude. And having Tommy Wingles out there also. I mean, Wingles also is an irritant and draws a ton of penalties. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think people legitimately really hate Tommy Wingles. Good. Although it, it is weird that um, Joe Pavelski was singled out as the weasel did you see that whole thing i did i i saw that that quote and i thought actually that it was handled pretty pretty well on csn how curtis brown basically wouldn't dignify it with a response and kevin kurz says you know this is a statement made by someone who has no idea what what the day-to-day you know feel is of the san jose sharks and how someone could have that impression of joe pavelski it just seems bizarre right i mean this is not the person that is reflected in the media here you know certainly not the person that you hear about it you know from people who have had private interactions with them you know people i mean he's kind of a a mainstay at some at some parks in willow glen i'm sure there are some listeners that have encountered him you know in person and by all accounts an extremely friendly generous person but I mean, you see, even watching him last year on the uh, the Epic series, and how I mean, he never came across as no weaselly. And seeing how he handled the John Scott situation at the All Star game, the Vancouver Rider uh, way off base. Yeah, pretty- well, you know, he, he made one comment. On, you know, who knows what the 
you know, it, it was off the cuff. He said one word, maybe you shouldn't have, or you know, whatever. Or maybe got him mistaken with somebody else. Who cares? It's not. It's. Not, I'm not getting that riled up about it. I don't quite understand I know, but why dude, he would say dude, that. Dude, this but. guy, this guy who made the comment is like, I, I can't remember what his credential is, but he's like the vice president of like the Hockey Writers Association or something. Yeah, like he. He, he he shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Who, who about... cares? Isn't that being like the vice president of like the D&D club? Like, who cares? <laughs> dude, somewhere David Pollock is very upset with me. Uh, was he the vice president of the D&D club, dude? No, dude. Dude? Just saying, like, You're being right. vice president no, I... of the Professional Writers Association, like, okay. who cares? Like, that's I not... will admit that I, I, I was irritated by it last night when I watched the game. I didn't think about it once today. Yeah. <laughs> until now that you just brought it up and now i'm irritated again <laughs> you're irritated again i can tell thanks for nothing dude thanks <laughs> you're welcome <for> nothing <laughs> you are so welcome you're so welcome <laughs> yeah but it's it's funny how like Polak really seems to bring out the worst in people it's awesome i i, I do kind of hey. enjoy it in a way well the sharks for so long have been victims of players like that you know and have let themselves get thrown off by it it's nice to see them be on the other side with a few players that people seem to find irritating dude you know what i found funny last night and i didn't realize it until it was happening but that um vancouver is tied for the worst record in the nhl did you know that i did not i i think i might have looked at the standings today and i noticed they have the least number of wins they have the worst goal differential in the NHL at minus 49. That's bad. And um, just... They've in, lost nine in a row. Yeah, they're, they're truly awful. And for a team that two years ago kind of said they were going to do like a rebuild on the fly, either they were lying or they've done a horrible job, you know, managing that team. It needs to be restarted. I mean, really. I mean, if the Canucks and the Sharks were kind of in the same boat, what the Sharks did to rebuild on the fly, it may not be enough to win a Stanley Cup. I guess we're going to find out. Um, but Vancouver, everything they did was going in reverse, which maybe was what they intended to do in the first place, but just weren't willing to admit it. Yeah, I think the the unfortunate problem with Vancouver is that they have Daniel and Henrik Sedin, who are good players, no longer great players, and they're making a lot of money, and they're under contract for two more years. And I think... This sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does sound a little Except familiar. Except for Joe Thornton is having an amazing year. Right, and the other the other situation is I believe that they insist on being traded as a unit, which... Basically, no other team would ever agree to. So these guys are totally unmovable, even more unmovable than the Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe contracts. And I think they're completely stuck with these guys through 2018 at this point, uh, when they will no doubt be no longer in Vancouver. And until then, they basically just sort of have to sit around and hope like Sven Berchi and Bo Horvat turn into like top flight players, which is basically in this Jake Vertinen guy. 
you know, which is, you know, they're just, it's just like winning a lottery. It's, it's probably not going to happen, but they can hope, but there's really well, nothing they can do to help. It, I think by being as bad as they are, they're probably doing the right thing. I mean, they should get rid of as many of these veterans as they can and be super crappy and hope they can get Austin Matthews and, you know, from our perspective, we hope that they uh, stink, but then they don't get the top pick, and then that Boston Matthews ends up in the Eastern Conference, which would be hilarious. Hilarious, dude. You know what else is hilarious? Mm. The Flyers are going to make the playoffs, dude. I know. I saw that. The Flyers have been playing well. I know. So I want you to, uh, to take it back. Take what back? You said that was a bad pick when I drafted them. I want you to take it back. I won't because they're not going to win the first round. So, it's... And you should be really nervous about your Boston Bruins, who you were touting a few weeks ago. They're on the verge of not making the playoffs themselves. Yeah, they suck again. Yep. Who knew? That, how embarrassing that will be if they don't make it and my Detroit Red Wings make it in their place, dude. You think You think Detroit's going to make it? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying it's going to come down between the two of them, that one of them is going to make it and the other one is. Yeah, very so likely. We will see. They're, they're, they both have five games left, and there's one point separating them. So it'll be interesting to see both are playing like crap. So they'll both be an easy out probably. Well, you know what? I wouldn't say that about Boston. If, if you drew Boston at, at the be- in the first round, I think you would not be happy. Like, if you're the Panthers and you draw the Bruins, like, it doesn't make you feel too awesome, I don't think. Probably not. Probably you would not. way rather see the Red Wings. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. I mean, Detroit's got real goalie issues. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, Boston's a plus Boston, 14 team and Detroit's a minus 14 team. How are those teams only one yeah, point apart? Yeah. Yeah, you, there's no doubt. I mean, it, and Datsuk, you could, you might, you know, blow him over, and he'd be out for the whole series. So, you know, they <laughs> they seem to always get hurt at the wrong time. So, um, it's just interesting looking around the Eastern Conference. There's still some things to be decided, but in the West, you know, there's positioning, but for the most part, everything is locked down. Yeah, it's pretty much a done deal. And so, and the Sharks have five more games against, except for Nashville. Well, I guess Nashville and Minnesota are both going to be sort of on the bubble. Those teams will probably have a little something to fight for, although they probably won't have to fight for an actual spot in the playoffs. So they'll just maybe be fighting for positioning, although it does look fairly, uh, fairly set at this point that Nashville and Minnesota will be in. San Jose, Those are going to be like LA playoff games. That's kind of the deal. And and Minnesota and Nashville even right now are four points apart. So unless there's some you know, major slumpage, I think it, it looks like most of the seedings are pretty well set at this point. I think there's going to be a nice playoff atmosphere for those two games. I could see those games being pretty, pretty intense, actually, the Nashville and Minnesota games. Um, hopefully the Sharks won't look past Vancouver tomorrow night continue to collect points 
you know, and then those last two games, which we won't jump to yet because I'm sure we'll record before we get to them, but the Winnipeg and Arizona games against two teams that just are, you know, bottom feeders, Winnipeg in the running for the last, you know, place. You know, they're right at the bottom also with a good shot to land Austin Matthews. You know, if you're Winnipeg, you win, you lose. If you lose, you win. <laughs> yeah. But that's very hard to communicate that to your players. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of mindset both those teams are in when we get them in a week. Yeah, dude, it's an interesting topic because I know there's been a lot made about it. You know, Sean McIndoe, who used to write for Down Goes Brown, and now he writes in all these different places. He wrote for Grantland while that was still operating. And now I think he's writing for the Hockey News or something. I can't remember where he's gone. But he's written a couple different columns about this. Dude, how, how do you feel about this? I mean, I guess there was actual cases where teams were rooting for their, you know, fans were rooting for their own team to lose. You know, like Vancouver maybe rooting for the Sharks to win so Vancouver would slide down the standings and be in the running for these top draft picks dude is this does this bother you is this is this something you think the league needs to address does the league need to change the way draft picks are awarded or or is this just sort of like a a fun like sort of quaint occurrence that happens at the end of March every year i mean how how do you how do you see this well i think the way that they have it set up i mean with the lottery is, I mean, if you're the last place team, say Vancouver is last, I think they only have a 20% shot of getting that pick. I mean, it's not a guarantee. It's not like they get it. That's where the problem is. And I think really was in the past where teams were, you know, we are dead last. Then we have a guaranteed shot. We saw that last year that, I mean, Edmonton was not the last place team and they got the number one pick. Right. So, you know, finishing dead last is not a guarantee. It gives you slightly higher odds, but um, I think this is just how the NHL and other other leagues are set up. You know, NBA has a similar problem uh, where you have teams that, like the Philadelphia 76ers, that have been intentionally tanking mm-hmm. for years. three or four years now yeah. just to collect these high, cheap, draft picks and then they sign like they're barely at the salary floor because they are just signing a bunch of cheap players because they want to suck so they can collect this young talent but the downside to that is as we've seen at Edmonton is you create a culture of losing which I believe is definitely a real thing yeah I agree with you the other thing is that I mean every time there is an extra benefit to being worse you are creating an incentive to lose and so I wonder what you think about some alternate means of awarding draft picks. I, I know, I think someone tweeted or, or mentioned someone, I think a, a media figure, I can't remember who it was exactly. It wasn't Bob McKenzie or anything like that. But someone said like, what if every team that didn't make the playoffs had an equal shot of getting the number one pick? And I think, you know, Sean McIndoe even went so far as to say, what if the best team that didn't make the playoffs got the number one pick? Because that would encourage those teams to lose. I mean, those teams to win late in the season, those teams that actually try to win late in the season, you know, what, what do you think about these? Are these just like sort of crazy schemes or is there some merit to these, these ideas? I think that the question that needs to be answered is, do the players care? Like, I mean, like, I mean, like, at, are the players like thinking of, like, if you're in Buffalo right now, are you going, well, 
if we lose four of the next five, we might get Austin Matthews. Are they even thinking about that? Yeah. Probably some of those guys probably don't even want Austin Matthews on the team because that means he's going to take their minutes. He's going to take their spot. You know, so I don't know. Like, I mean, like, we can't get in the side, inside the mind of an NHL player, but I would wonder what their what their impression of it is. Do they care? Are they even aware? Like, you know, of course they're aware, but is this something that's entering their mind while they're playing the game? I don't know. Like, for management, for coaches, you know, if you're seeing how they're manipulating the lineup, you know, if they're going to intentionally play or not play their best players to lose a game, that's where I think you have an issue. Mm -hmm. If you're tanking by not playing your best players or intentionally attempting to lose the game. Yeah, you're right. I, it, it sort of you makes you wonder if it's sort of a necessary evil. Because if you do go to the, one of those weirder schemes where, say, every team that doesn't make the playoffs has the same chance or the best team that doesn't make the playoffs gets the number one, then you have the problem where the worst team doesn't really get better. You know, there's a there's a real good chance that the right. worst team in the league is just is just crap again and again right. and again. And it just so happens we've seen that, but it's been sort of in spite of the number one picks and not because of them in the case of Edmonton. And I think a, a team that was run better would probably make a lot more out of those those players. But but I, I think you're right. I I don't think it really helps the league and it doesn't really help hockey to have one team that just sucks like for right. a ridiculous amount of time. Although we do have Toronto, so there's always that. <laughs> Well, when they have Stamkos, things will look up. And, and speaking of Stamkos, why would you, you know go? I mean? Why would you go to Toronto if you're Stamkos? They have well, nothing good. I looked at their, I looked at their lineup like in a little bit more detail the other day. I mean, there is no bright spot on that team. None. There's no bright yeah, spot. They're terrible. Sentimentality, dude, can go a long way. Um, but speaking of Stamkos, I mean, you get in a situation like that where you go, if if it was. All things being equal, would he have picked Tampa Bay out of the 30 teams? No. Of course I mean, not. He wouldn't have picked them. Of course not. But but that that's the only shot for a franchise like that to get a player like that. Like for the Sharks, like they're never going to attract like a marquee free agent to come and sign here. Like that's not going to happen. Like you're not going to get one of those guys to come and sign here, you know, unless they're traded for and they realize that they like it. Like that's, we've always had a problem with that. So when the Sharks get to that point, the only way for them to rebuild is going to be through the draft. And it's, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Dude, another another news item that came out is that all of these emails that the NHL wrote to each other, uh, I guess, was released as discovery material in a lawsuit, I think, associated with uh, with concussions and so forth, which I think has been well documented in the media right now. But the fact is there's this huge glut of emails that have gone out. And I noticed in one email, uh, Colin... Campbell refers to Doug Wilson as Doug Wine Wilson, <laughs> W-H-I-N-E, which is a funny nickname. I, I actually, you can search the emails for terms, for search terms, and I searched for like other Sharks players and Doug Wilson, and I didn't find anything nearly as entertaining as that. But what do you think about Colin Campbell uh, referring to DW as Doug Wine Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> uh 
It it made me laugh for sure. At first, I I was hoping he was referring to a nice Chardonnay because I <laughs> I could see... from Igor Larionov, I'm sure. I know I could see uh, Doug kicking back after a, a long tanning session, having a nice cold glass of Chardonnay with a few ice cubes in it. But <laughs> um, Doug Wine Wilson, like dude, That's like great. It just is a funny like image of. You know, him picking up the phone and being like, Rafi Torres isn't really that bad. <laughs> Can't Come you guys on. maybe just maybe not those many games? Come <laughs> on. Call him. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to search for interesting things, but it seems like most, most people have already posted all the interesting things that were said in those emails. Basically, you know, not, not really anything too incriminating about concussions I, or really anything else. But it's just, how do you, like, if you're, like, Doug Wilson and Colin Campbell, like, how do you move past that? These guys chirp each other all the time. Doug Wine Wilson? Yeah. What's the big deal? It's not like Colin Campbell can like stop trades or anything. Who cares? He just he's actually got less power than most of the other GMs in the league. No, Who no. cares? It's just funny. Speaking of uh, speaking of discipline uh, czars and things like that happening in the league, dude. That there's another uh, uh, another uh, um, hit or or hit to the face that happened with Duncan Keith last night. Right. He right. Hit, uh, one time Sharks prospect Charlie Coyle, who's now playing. For the Minnesota Wild, which is part of the Brent Burns trade, uh, deliberately hit him in the face with his stick. Coyle dumped him. Uh, looks like maybe he got his stick tangled in Duncan Keith's feet and then checked him, which put Keith on his back. And then Keith retaliated by swinging his stick one-handed. And it looked like, to me, it looked like he broke Coyle's nose and drew blood and, and was immediately given a match penalty and kicked out of the game. And now he has been suspended pending uh disciplinary review so you know you i know you've seen the hit you texted me about the hit what is the correct punishment for duncan keith here boy well i can tell you what's going to happen it's going to be five games he will not miss a playoff game like they just nhl doesn't do that like not to a player like duncan keith they won't do i think they should yeah i think they should i think he should get you know eight 10 games like that's a blatant violent act like that had nothing to do with the flow of the game i mean he used to stick as a weapon like like that it could have been way worse than that oh yeah oh yeah you know like it's you don't want to you can't you you cannot compare the bertuzzi hit because that was a a much more violent or like, McSorley. People talk about the McSorley hit on Brashear. But like, that this was, was stick. you know, I mean, you cannot use your stick as a weapon. And just because he's an elite player in the league shouldn't excuse that kind of behavior, but it will be excused dude. And he will not miss a playoff game. The, the NHL will not do that to Duncan Keith or the Blackhawks, but I think they should. Right. I agree with you. If, if only for the reason that, He's done this before. If this was his first infraction, uh, then I can understand someone snapping and, and you don't uh, suspend him from a playoff game. But there's a, there was also a very well-publicized incident that you can find where he hit Jeff Carter from behind in the face with a stick on purpose. Uh, right. And Jeff Carter crumbled to the ice. 
I, again, in that case, I don't think there was any serious injury, but there certainly seems to be at least some sort of pattern of behavior. You can get Duncan Keith to snap, essentially, is what this means. And it's happened on multiple occasions. And he was also, I think, suspended for five games for a hit to the head of, on one of the Sedins. So, you know, this guy isn't completely clean anymore. And I agree with you. I think he should miss at least one, if not multiple playoff games because of this. Because if that stick is in a slightly different orientation or he swings it in a slightly different arc, then you're not just talking about like a, a, a bloody nose. You're talking about like an eye or you hit the guy in the temple. You're talking about a serious concussion or something like that. Like you could have... It could have been a serious, debilitating injury for Charlie Coyle if things sort of went a slightly different way. I mean, it was very reckless the way he swung his stick at him, you know, lying on the ground. I mean, there's no way he could control exactly how Coyle was contacted with the stick. It could have been so much worse than it was. And it was pure luck that Coyle wasn't seriously injured. And, you know, through no possible intent of Duncan Keith, it's just luck that that didn't happen. Yeah, dude, I agree, and we will wait and see uh, what happens when the announcement comes down, dude. But but I'm with you. I, I'd be I'd be really surprised if he misses a playoff game. The NHL might turn itself in knots and say, "Oh, you're gonna miss some regular. You're gonna miss the rest of the regular season this season, and maybe you'll miss like a couple games next season in the regular season." But no, that, very... that's a bunch of garbage. If they do that, that's a bunch of garbage. I could see that happening and, and, no, and not missing any playoff be... games. That would be really why. Why does he get special treatment? We know the answer to that, but he shouldn't. And it, if you're going to suspend him, you got to make it make it so that the player and the team understands that this kind of behavior cannot happen anymore. You know, and the only way he might get that is by knowing that he's going to cost his team a playoff win or two, which that might get the message across. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, Chicago hasn't been playing so well as of late. That's not going to help them at all to have him after the lineup. I think I heard that both him and, and Seabrook was out for the flu or some other reason. And it's the first game since like 2005 where neither of those guys have played. And you put neither of those guys in the lineup for Chicago, that's a completely different team. Completely different. Yep, dude. Uh, you got Erhoff playing like 30 minutes at that point. <laughs> that's what we all want to see. <laughs> nice well dude i mean i guess san jose is going to sort of coast in do you do you think the sharks i mean they you're right anaheim has two games in hand uh the kings have one game in hand on the sharks the sharks are two points behind anaheim three points behind la what are the chances you think of the sharks actually gaining a playoff position here at this point and in the words of, I don't know if it was an email or if it was a tweet or if it was on the blog, I can't remember. Um, but do you think it actually would be good for the Sharks to start on the road since their road record is so good? Um, I would, gosh, no. I mean, like, no. I still don't think that that would be good, even though they are a better road team this year. I, I wouldn't want to go down and play more games in the other team's building than you have to. But um, to answer the question, dude, I think the chances are slim. The Sharks will be the third seed. I'm concerned that they're going to, you know, they're going to struggle in that Nashville and Minnesota games. And that, you know, I, I hope that they can find a way to finish the regular season strong. 
instead of you know, sort of melting into the playoffs after you know clinching a spot. So hopefully they can remain focused, get Vlasic healthy, and uh, make a push. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I don't think even though the Sharks have been a great road team, I, I that's a cushion and not a guarantee. I think starting a, a playoff road game is a lot different than a regular season road game. And I, I, you know, just because they're good on the road doesn't mean they're going to win a bunch of games on the road in the playoffs. Of course, it's, it's, it means that they have the mental fortitude to do that, but you would never wish that upon a team that you root for is to, Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could play in LA a bunch of times? Like that would be awesome. No, it, it wouldn't be awesome. And you'd feel more confident if they did play in LA uh, you know, and you, you'd feel a little bit better about it, but I, I wouldn't wish that upon the sharks and by any means, no, not at all. All right, dude. Are there any other topics that you'd wish to cover here today? Um, dude, dude, no. Okay. <laughs> well, dude, I, I, I hope the sharks can continue to roll into the playoffs. I, I th- I'm with you. I don't think they're going to change position here, but hopefully they can get, guys back healthy that's the number one thing i want to see from the sharks here in this last little while and see vlasic come back healthy um see all these guys come back nieto i don't know if nieto's coming back but um you know make sure everybody's healthy and and tuned up for the playoffs and we definitely need vlasic if we're going to make a run absolutely there's no rush to get him in i think in these next five games by all accounts he wasn't super close i don't think he's even started skating so um, you know, let's get him healthy, and you know, I'd like to see the Sharks try and finish over 500, go three and two in these last five games, and you know, keep winning momentum on your side. I agree, dude. I will talk to you next week. Go Sharks! Go Sharks! Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.